Welcome to another episode of Talk of Tonawanda. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests only. I do not represent any other individual or organization. We have reached episode one three. How, one three. How did that happen? Do you feel lucky? Yes. Do you? I do. How lucky do you feel? Uh, lucky enough to probably spend two bucks on a scratcher when I get to Seven Eleven this afternoon. You throw away money on scratchers. Just give it to me, and I'll tell you. Oh, you were so close. Here's two horseshoes and a cherry. Is it going to be that bad? Yeah. Usually it is. They'll be usually close. It usually it is. When I hear people that have wanted scratchers, and I'm not picking on anybody in particular, Dave. Uh, but like 5,000 scratchers and well, listen, I, I win quite a bit. I just won five bucks last week, but he spends like $20 a day. I'm confused by it. I always feel better when I see the waste paper basket next to the lottery machine full because those are all losers and the winners are still in the machine. <laughs> that is a strategy. Waiting for me. See, now me, when I go to the casino, the only thing I gamble on is the volume of shrimp I will be able to get. They don't have buffets anymore at the casino. I know, I know. COVID came around and it took away all my favorite feasting locations. I lost weight, Carl. In the last two years, I've dropped fifty-four pounds. Yes. And I'm trying to find it, but there's just there's just not enough buffets around. There's just not. Listen, I'm goofing around, but we have a couple of folks here. We do. We yes, have an audience. We do. And, and participants today. I was talking about the audience, but we also have a couple of folks that are here with us. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, we have. Bob Obrachta, he is the Chief Executive Officer of the Boys and Girls Clubs of the North Towns. And we have Jessica, and I'm going to let Jessica say her last name and her title. Good morning to you both. Thanks for uh, coming in on such short notice. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Hi. Jessica, you are? Jessica Michike. I'm the Director of Grants and Education That Boys is and Girls Clubs. That is a big part. And Bob, Chief Executive Officer, you go all the way back. My, my kids actually went to the one over here in the city of Tonawanda, but you are now overseeing a whole group. T tell us about the Boys and Girls Clubs, where it is today. Well, right now we have 10 locations. We're in Black Rock, Riverside, the Tonawandas, and we have our camps in uh, Grand Island and North Tonawanda. And we are a $2.8 million organization. And for the most part, uh, we... We work in conjunction with each other. We have about 68 people right now on staff. And uh, I think the first thing that comes to mind when um, I talk about the Boys and Girls Club is the team we have. And uh, we have a great uh, group of professional staff. Uh, we make impact and make people's lives, children's lives, special at, uh, at these 10 different sites plus the additional sites I was talking about in the summer. And just very proud to have been in this movement almost my entire adult life. I started working at the Boys and Girls Club on Franklin Street in 1977. And I worked there, and I was at Camp Spirit, and and just kind of worked my way up, thanks to a lot of uh, people that uh, really showed me the way throughout my career here. That is fantastic. Those are excellent. Those are excellent credentials, Bob, that you bring to the table for for the entire organization. Uh, what are some of the uh, challenges that you had when you were going through the COVID? Were some of the boys and girls clubs closed, or how did you provide those services when uh, for the last two years? What was going on? 
Well, fortunately, um, a good number of our clubs, our larger clubs, including the one on Franklin Street and in, uh, on Riverdale in the town of Tonawanda, remained open, and we were, became virtual learning locations. So oh, cool. we last uh, a couple of years back, we were essentially open 11 hours a day, five days a week. So we, we filled the gap in for a lot of families you know, throughout the North Towns and uh, were able to work very closely with the school systems in both uh, Buffalo and the Tonawandas. And uh, really it was a, a real eye-opener for our staff because we got a, a chance to you know, understand our members and know them so much better over the course of an 11-hour day as opposed to your three-hour day after school. And of course, I'm yeah. sure that's the tuning, fine-tuning everything that needed to be changed. I know here uh, we're in a trading center. It was March 16th of 2020. I still have the tragedy calendar on the wall. But everything came to a halt. But right. you guys, how long did it take you to pick up from there and, and get in step? And, and what were what were some of the stuff that you didn't have that you had to get? Like, did you have to get technical equipment and, and, and other things? Well, in our case, fortunately, we, we are in this, many of the schools in Tonawanda and North Tonawanda. And, you know, we had, we had built relationships up with the administrators and the teachers at those schools that we ran programs at. And we were in a, in a situation where, from a technology standpoint, we did have um, technology and many computers at our sites that we ran the virtual learning programs at. And we really, I would say we got going... Uh, Pretty strongly in the month of May, but then when the next when September came around of that following year, we were full bore, and we were running programs from like I said, seven a.m. Well, to great. six p.m. So when Jessica uh, does her part of the business, she is grant writing and seeking out donations to fund everything. Um, yeah, I work directly with the grantors. We have a bunch of regular. Um, funders, foundations, and state and federal level that fund us, you know, fairly uh, on a regular schedule, so every five years or every year. Um, and, you know, I work to continue the programs that were originally promised and, like, develop them into new educational programs. Most of our grant funding comes in with the promise of doing academic work with these kids and catching them up on their school day work. Um, as the promise. Uh, we are always looking for unrestricted funding, though, so that we can do the fun stuff. Okay. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. So how many how many kids, children, school-age kids do you have? Across all of our sites right yeah. now, I think that we're somewhere in four, between 400 and 475-ish. Yeah, in the Tonawandas. And we were up pre-COVID over 3,000 members. Yeah. And that's counting... All of our locations, all of our day camps, all of our respite programs that we ran. So we're slowly but surely moving up now, but it's been a bit of a struggle. I imagine it would be, and the adapting to it now, you have, the Boys and Girls Club has always been there. And many parents, like me originally, I thought, okay, it's after school. It's where kids went, and they were engaged in stuff and doing things and, you know, socializing. Uh, but it, But it's more than that. But... You know, I, I keep on going back, and I've unfortunately read and listened to too many studies of the effects on children from not being in school during COVID. So this is where an organization like yours really has to pick up the ball. 
I want to hear about some of the, uh, without using names, that there had to be some very distinct challenges that you had dealing with the emotions of parents and children during this time and just a lot of unknown, but you, you did it. Yeah. How did you do it? Well, I think I can just start by saying safety is our organization's number one priority. So I think in many cases, just getting our staff all on board to a lot of the protocol that was going to be in place, whether it was checking temperatures at the door, making sure everybody had their mask on, um, sick checks as people were coming and going, and uh, putting children in groups where they were, where if somebody in a particular group was to get COVID, you know, that was only going to affect a quarter of the children attending the program that day because we had four different quadrants where children were, you know, participating in various activities, but there there wasn't con in the situation if we had a hundred kids, there weren't a hundred children together. There were four groups of twenty-five. Very well thought out. So they were they were in pods, so they were together but separate. Yes. Were there more programs you had to add or develop at that point in time? Um, mostly just the new, like, cleaning and PPE protocols, like making sure everybody's masked up, hand-washing at regular intervals, and making sure those quadrants didn't cross over during the hand-washing and stuff like that. Um, serving dinner was one of our big challenges. We had to put, you know, plastic barriers up between the kids and make sure there was no cross-contamination. You know, just all that stuff was had to be all rethought. And the documentation that goes with it, I know just even here, the documentation was a nightmare just to have 12 students come back a year later. Yep. So now, since then, you're, you're starting to gain back. And what programs are you missing right now that you're working toward? Is there anything that you haven't been able to open up yet as part of all the wonderful programs you developed that you're, you got your eyes on? It's, it's in your sights and getting closer. Well, fortunately for us, most of our programs did start back up again pretty much full-born September of 2021. But unfortunately, we weren't able to allow uh, visitors in our buildings. And, uh, and in a lot of cases, some of our, especially at our Franklin Street Club, our Newman Family Club now, Saturdays are really hopping with floor hockey. And so many parents, that gym, if you've been there, it's maybe half the size of a regulation gym, but we just pack them in those days with spectators watching the games, and it's just a, a real fun atmosphere. And just recently, um, March 1st, were we able to allow parents back in to, to watch those games, which was nearly towards the end of our season. But we tried to uh, you know go back slowly, go back as safe as possible, but... Uh, the unfortunate part, again, was not, you know, a parent, I know as a parent myself, watching my kid hit their first home run or, hit, you know, just do something athletically yeah. was so special, and parents not being able to come really was... Uh, so what what programs us. are you currently getting ready for for spring and summer, outdoor? Okay. For the well, folks, that, for folks that are completely unaware or not familiar with Boys and Girls Club, um, what are some of the outdoor programs that you do have? They might be more comfortable with their kids yeah. going to an outdoor program rather than being inside of a building. Well, our biggest program um, in the summer in North Tonawanda is our day camp at Camp Spirit. And that's going to go eight weeks. It starts up, I believe, the first, the last Monday in June. I believe it's the 27th. 
and uh, we get anywhere from 150 to 200 children per day at wow. that camp. Oh, that's great. Okay. And do, do they have to sign up for that ahead of time? Yes, they do. And if you go on social media, you go on our website, which is bgcnt.net, you can you know get all the information in regards to all of the camps that we we run. Our phone number is uh, 873-9842 and um, extension 202 you can ask for or you can call our Franklin Street Newman Family Clubhouse at 693-2307. And those are both area code 716. Yes. Is there okay. a charge for that for the families? The, key, the fee for the families for the summer camps, it's $180 per week at our Tonawanda and Grand Island sites. We also run a camp at Beaver Island State Park. But we have alumni groups at both of our sites that provide scholarships where I can assure you anybody that wants to go to a camp has that opportunity. Wonderful. So, so in effect, no child is turned away from a Boys and Girls Club? No, never. Never. We ran through a situation, I remember uh, I had gotten injured, I was a paramedic, I was injured and I was out of work and there was no disability and so forth, and the Boys and Girls Club absorbed those fees for my kids, and uh, that was it, it was just, it's about the kid and it's not about the cash, although you have the challenging job, Jessica, because <laughs> even though you're not going to, no, no dime, no time, you have a job where you have to find it, because none of this comes free. Everything costs money from taxes and programs to, you know, paper plates and band-aids and uh, you name it. Equipment. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge job. Walk us through your average bad day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear about the good days. It doesn't, doesn't, it's not exciting. You know, it's not news if it's not bad. We, we know that. So. What's a bad day? Because you recover and you're smiling. <laughs> I've been in my position for, well, it was exactly a year, March 15th, and I took over post-COVID, so ever, nothing had been happening, right? No grant reporting had been being done. There was no requisitions being sent out, so we weren't getting reimbursed for any of the funds that we had been spending throughout COVID to run these, you know, 11-hour sites. It's a lot more expensive than running a three-hour, five-day-a-week program. So when I first came on, my worst days were making sure that the money was coming in and doing all that requisite you know, work and trying to get all the backdated expenses caught up so that we could, you know, move forward. But luckily, the grantors all honored everything, and that's a bad day. Um, you know, recently we had a big setback where we didn't receive 21st century funds. That's been funding a lot of our sites for the last five years. It's federal money. It's through state education. Um, and, you know, the CBOs just lost out this time around. Community-based programs like us didn't get, didn't get funded. The district programs, most of those got funded. So now my job is a little bit more challenging. <laughs> was, there, was there a change in the law or just... There was a change in the structure of the way the funding was distributed. So our sites were all competing against the city of Buffalo sites that have, you know, a higher need. Certainly. Um, we have a lot of need, and we see that based on the relationships we have with our parents, but that need doesn't really translate to paper as much as, like, an inner-city, um, you know, area does. And Boys and Girls Clubs, they, they this is just, this is your region here, but they are across the United States, and they're all trying to get funding. They're all trying to take care of the kids. 
Uh, do you do you ever have that? I mean, obviously, uh, Bob, you're the CEO. Do you meet with the other heads of the other organizations and see trending and things that are going on, possible funds, uh, changes in programs, any of that? Most definitely. We have a Western New York Collaborative of Boys and Girls Clubs, and across Western New York, there's 12 Boys and Girls Club organizations and 47 sites, and us executive directors get together once a month just to discuss you know, what's going on at each of our locations, funding opportunities where we can go in together to pursue additional funds. For example, now mental health is such a big issue. So a lot of organizations, including ours, are going after mental health funds. Uh, we're also very fortunate to be part of the Ralph C. Wilson Foundation um, funding. And we, we actually received $4.5 million across the board for all, all the, the 47 sites for in a five-year grant. So we received all the upfront money, the 4.5 in the first three years. Now the next two years, we need to, you know, continue the programming that we were running, you know, and hopefully keep them at the level they're at now and expand as needed, you know, based on the needs in each of the separate so you have communities. To, so you have to plan on expansion and you have to plan on more funding or doing more with less when it comes to the finances. That's a, that's a tough situation to be in. But it's not a unique situation to be in. There's many other organizations out there, community-based organizations that are also going after the same dollar competition. Competition between. So, what what's your best sales pitch, Jessica, when you're talking to somebody who might have some deep pockets, an organization, the NFL, the you know? I was just going to ask, how does someone yeah that's interested looking to become that sponsor? That's a great question. Um, they can contact us. Bob listed off the phone numbers earlier, and you know, seven one six eight seven three nine eight four two. And I'm at extension two o nine. You know, they can reach me if they're looking to, you know, fund some sort of programming. Our best sales pitch is the programming that we deliver every day to the kids and the experiences the kids are getting out of what, you know, the dollar value of what you're getting when you invest in the Boys and Girls Club is immense. Like we can turn nothing into a, you know, exciting day at the club that these kids otherwise would just go home after school, do homework, maybe eat dinner. They come to us, they get fed a hot meal, but they also get to, you know, participate in sports programming and social emotional learning. And, you know, they learn about banking and how to, you know, manage their own finances. It's just a really unique thing that we do. Four kids. Arts, crafts, physical activities, mm-hmm. getting activities. up and burning some calories and, and learning how to play. We often hear that uh, kids just don't know how to play anymore because they've been separated from their friends. They've been separated from their classmates in school. They've and uh, to their cell phones. Their cell phones, the, the media, you know, the, you know, the social media platforms have just pretty much taken over their, their time and and their minds, they just can't think for themselves very much. City Tonawanda just, uh, our last uh, council meeting, uh, we set up our playground committee because the kids in the city of Tonawanda are going to have that to utilize uh, for for playing again. You know, they have City Tonawanda United that you know does these pop up playgrounds and stuff, trying to get the little ones involved and. What are the age groups? What's your age groups at the uh, Boys and Girls Club? From what age to what age 
are your is your target? Kindergarten to twelfth grade, eighteen. They age out. But okay. Yeah. So kids. do the older ones help you with the age little out ones? Is such a term. <laughs> they age out. Yeah, I was told well, I what aged we out like a long is time ago. When so. they then become, oftentimes those those kids become staff. Then that's how they age out. So they're still within our yeah. our mission, and like part of the mission is to train the staff to be the best they can be too. So the ideal situation is a kid comes to us in kindergarten and then becomes Bob. You know, the CEO like, of the organization. Train your way up. Exactly. You're saying Bob refused to age out. Bob, I want to take you back to our city Tonawan location back when my kids were there. A, you had, there was some sort of a grant or a contractor that came in and they put in a much needed new kitchen. New kitchen Because you guys actually also provide nutritional yes. services as well. Is is there an avenue, I'm going to ask both of you, Jessica, as well, is there an avenue where maybe somebody doesn't have money, but they have a skill, something that they could do that helps these clubs move forward, advance and stuff? How would that work? Most definitely, we're always looking for quality volunteers. I know it's been a bit more of a struggle with us now with a lot of the recent happenings in this world, and which has meant... Increased background checks has meant uh, fing you know, fingerprinting, you name it, before you can actually start volunteering for an organization. So it's been a little bit more of a struggle for us to try to get quality volunteers and a high number of them. But uh, the ones we do have, especially in our sports-related programs at the, the Newman Family Club, are, are outstanding. The time they put in is, is something that... I don't know what we do without them, and but uh, I think uh, it's something that, like just like we talked about earlier. We also look at our members at Camp Spirit, for example. We have future leaders in training, our FLIP program, where a lot of those campers, when they're 13, 14, 15 years old, they serve as junior counselors under our staff, where they'll be working with a junior counselor as part of a group. So if they're going on a field trip, say, to a Buffalo Bison game, they will be, you know, overseeing the entire ten or fifteen children assigned to their group, you know, for to make sure they're safe, don't roam off, and uh, just keep a close eye on them. And uh, it really has, you know, provided huge dividends for us because, like Jessica said, a lot of these future leaders in training are now boys and girls club staffers that work at our different sites throughout the, all the North Towns. And and staffing, and it's it's not just coaching, but mentoring and, and leadership and all these, yeah. these amazing things that we have. So we have. So we have the ability to seek out some organizations that might want to underwrite a activity, like a trip to a, a Bison's game, a trip to go fishing somewhere, or how does that, how does that all work out? If you could just pin somebody down and say, Would you, could you just help us out with one activity, rather than like a monetary grant, which... Will get spread around so well and the monetary grants come with you know this is what the dollars go to it's very specific things <clears throat> we um, have a wonderful rd department in uh, christina boyer and katie bentley and george fitzpatrick and they run a lot of our events or sponsorship asks which is what you're talking about yeah. um you know if somebody wants to sponsor say t-shirts for camps or a field trip to go canoeing or something like that 
they would go through our RD department and uh, or they can come to any of the events that we're holding between now and you know the end of the year. Uh, we have one coming up uh, the 25th of June at Camp Spirit actually. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a music festival with vendors and you know, hopefully some comedians. We're still working on nailing down people that want to do those Invite things. Invite Frank. They, well, they love it. <laughs> Carl, Carl thinks I'm funny, but he always adds the term funny looking to it. He never really... <laughs> where is, where is Camp Spirit for the folks who do not know where Camp Spirit is? Or is it a secret location <laughs> and it will be undisclosed? Camp Spirit is located at 1601 Sweeney Street. It's where the Norton Red Jacket Club uh, more or less leased that property. And we work hand-in-hand hand with them for the eight weeks we're at Camp Spirit. And okay. uh, that's uh, it's a great relationship we have. And I think that's the key to the, the Tonawandas as a whole for organizations like the Boys and Girls Club, like the Red Jackets, like the recreation departments to work together. Absolutely. You know, so Collaborative. You know, there's no room for any duplication of services because we don't have that many children where, you know, there's an overflow. So I think... Um, we're very fortunate at the club to have um, Mayor John White in the city of Tonawanda as an alumni, and he's a past board member. Uh, Jenna Cook is a current executive board member, and she's the council president. So we have a very strong contingent of people that you know we are going to be working very closely with over the next few months to try to um, you know work closer together, but also, you know, provide as much in the way of quality as we can for the youth of the Tonawandas, Black Rock, Riverside, and all the areas we serve. Um, we're also, one thing I wanted to add was we're very fortunate, some of the good news the organization is looking at right now is we have a half a million dollar county stimulus fund grant that's going to the club on Franklin Street where we're going to be building a sports court behind the building. The court. It's been actually a long time coming. Yeah. That's been planned for years, and you finally yeah. got the funding. We finally got the funding. Oh, Thank you very much to Kevin Hardwick for you know helping us secure that funding, and now uh, John Bargnese has also been involved. So we uh, we're anxious to get the project going. We've had a lot of uh, ground testing and things like that that we had to take part in before we could actually get the ball rolling, and now. As you know, contractors are so busy, you know, trying to get a start date is somewhat of a challenge, but my hope is that uh, building is going to be up sooner than later, and uh, I talked earlier about floor hockey and us jamming people in our small gym. You know, we'll be able to have two games going on at one time, you know, with the cover outside and, uh, and, and really make it the Boys and Girls Club on Franklin Street a showcase for the city of Tonawanda and its neighboring communities. Well, we look forward to that. That's amazing. We'll I mean, have to go back to a project that was yeah, it was a dream project when the kitchen was being done, and yeah. it's going back a couple yeah. of, couple yeah. of years. So it's, I mean, so it just continues progressing. Now you've got it. it sounds like money's coming in, but they, I mean, these are for special projects. There's the nitty gritty. There's the day by day, and that falls on Jessica. That is yeah, the building other. maintenance, the the the, any, the taxes, the water, <laughs> the, the breakdowns, the, anything from a peeling paint to a broken doorknob, a cracked piece of glass, a printer that goes out. Day by day funding has got to be just enormous, above and beyond the programs. Well, and it's oftentimes way more than what we can cover with grant dollars alone. You know, we really need donations and sponsorships and we need unrestricted funding because grant dollars don't want to pay for the water bill you know they want to pay for kids to be delivered services they want you know to see the programs and which is 
you know, obviously where we want that money to be going also, but we still have to pay the water bill. We want you to take the kids to the circus, but don't want to provide the right. car. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that is a story yeah. that unfortunately, it's, and, and because, yeah, well, because it's it's really, you know, something to have your, your name on a, on a racquetball court, but, you know, not so much as, you know, uh, on the water bill. So there, there's that stigma, but this, without the base funding, there is no foundation for the rest. And people yes, need to understand yeah. that that funding needs to come through. Wonderful to have the programs. That's what you're there for. Wonderful to have the expansion. But do you ever, Bob, do you ever wind up hitting your head against the wall going, you know, we've got to do this. This needs to be done in this facility or things of that nature. I'm not asking for specifics, but. Most definitely. You know, right now we are about 78% grant funded. So that means our unrestricted base, you know, we 20, 22% we have to play with, which is for a $3 million organization is very little. So we need to be, as much as we're a big organization, we need to be very frugal in, in our expenditures and make sure every penny we get is spent very wisely. But building upkeep is huge because, you know, we have a boiler... Old boilers at both the, the sites on Franklin Street and on Riverdale in the town of Tonawanda that were constantly, you know, patching up. You know, patching it's like up. the duct tape, you know, hitting just to, up, keep, to, to keep it going. going. Right. Yeah. And, boilers, uh, I'm intimately familiar with them. Those, that's tens of thousands of dollars right. per unit. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, wow. you know, trying to get the unrestricted funding, you know, in communities that, you know, there's not a lot of money. You know, it is a true struggle for us. We have some very dedicated and very loyal sponsors that help us, but we need more. You know, and uh, right now, you know, with our marketing and development departments, you know, we're trying to be more aggressive in securing additional dollars. I think many people, um, when we had this 21st century grant at the Tonawanda and North Tonawanda sites and Kenton, for that matter. That provided close to $900,000 annually for seven of our clubs. Now that money is gone. So we, we kind of prepared. We were preparing for a day like this. We knew this wasn't going to last forever. But with that being said, it does open up some more challenges for us. You know, we're, we're talking about consolidating some services potentially, we're not talking about you know having a member at, at in Riverside not having a place to go to, but we are talking about trying to be even more efficient than we've been, which is why we've been uh, we found out we got the news on the 21st century uh, grants a couple of weeks ago, and ever since that day, I've been on the phone with uh, various local, state, federal politicians. What can you do for us? How can you help? You know, I've talked to um, both. Uh, Dr. Oldenburg at Tonawanda in the Tonawanda City School District, and uh, Greg Waitilla in North Tonawanda to to just seek: Is there more we can do? Can we work together in this way? You know, we we're here. You know, we have uh, a great track record. The Boys and Girls Club's been around for eighty eight years now, and uh, and we intend on being around for a lot more time. A lot more time, and we just want some help. It, it needs to be done. It I needs, do have one one other question. And how do you deal with kids and the cell phone addiction? <laughs> I have to ask because that's, I, 
You can walk through a store, you can walk into a theater, you can walk through a mall, and nobody's looking anywhere. How do you get the kids off their phones and engaged? What's what's the trick to get them to put down the phone? Well, staff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the staff are outstanding and engaging, and they design brilliant programming that the kids want to take part in. They don't want to look at their phone when they're at the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. They want to socialize in person with not only their friends, but they, you know, these staff become mentors and, you know, role models for them. Yeah. They want to interact with the staff, and they do that through yeah. the programming. Big brothers, you know, mothers, fathers, right. they, they really fill a huge role, and uh, they're the core of our organization, you know, and I, I try to make a point every time I speak with groups, that, you know, I don't know what I do without people like Jessica, um, um, Franco Bellasone is our uh, director of facilities, but they're also senior advisors. So they spend a lot of their time going from one club to another, just offering some guidance, offering some advice, you know, coming back to me and, and telling me what's needed and uh, what we need and, or what we can do to get better to meet the needs of all of our families. What, what would you say, Bob and Jessica, are your top, three non-financial wish list items? I don't know. I've never thought about that. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I'm just going to start, you know, I guess indirectly it could be financial, but just staff. You know, we want to continue to build our, our base of people because you're only as good as the people you have, and they, they're your representation, you right. know, and you can do... 99 things right, and if you do one thing wrong, that's what's going to be remembered. So you, you really need to continue to, you know, train your staff. You need to develop your staff, and, you know, you need to give your staff the tools they need to, you know, so they can do their job. Provide the services for the, uh, for the yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, great. More kids in the door, definitely, yeah. post-COVID. We had to limit our registration because of social distancing regulations. Yeah. And now I'm hoping that we can, you know, up our numbers and the amount of families that we're reaching. Mm -hmm. You need the resources and the boys and girls and the parents need the Boys and Girls Club, without mm -hmm. any question. It's something that's, uh, it's just a given. Well, you know what? This time has zipped by. We've actually uh, surpassed our, our usual time because there's, and we could go on for another hour. There's so much to engage with. Bob, Jessica, I want to thank you both for coming in for this. Carl, you always have pearls of wisdom. How are we going to put a bow on episode 13? Be safe, be well, and get a hold of the Boys and Girls Club. Help them out. Fantastic. Thanks again for coming in, and we will talk to you next time. And hopefully we'll also have you folks back in for another okay. time. So have a great day. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. Thank you.